Stanford University. Welcome. You're listening to the first podcast from the Collaboration for Poverty Research, produced by the Stanford Center for the Study of Poverty and Inequality. I'm Diantha Parker. Today on the podcast, think about $3,000 for a second. That can go a pretty long way, depending on where you live and what your income is. It could be a couple months' rent, a used car, or just doing a little research here, uh, 650 pounds of M&Ms. A pedigreed labradoodle puppy. Or 4,000 copies of the Chicago Sun-Times, weekday edition. But $3,000 is kind of a magic figure for certain economists these days. It happens to be the amount that some low-income workers receive at tax time through the Earned Income Tax Credit. That's a lump sum families get from the IRS if their income is below a certain level. The program gives low-wage workers a boost to stay above the poverty line. But the amount stays the same until the kid is 18. They don't distinguish on the basis of children's age, and maybe they should. Economist Greg Duncan thinks that $3,000, however the family gets it, makes the difference for kids under the age of five. His research shows if a family's income increases by $3,000 each year before the kids turn five, those children will actually end up working more hours and earning more money as adults. And they'll have a better shot at providing for their own families. Duncan thinks policies like the EITC could help with this if they were geared towards supporting very young kids. The future of America's prosperity depends on that. So visualize that $3,000 again. It could help a family with a young child rent a nicer apartment in a safer neighborhood, maybe with better schools and preschool programs. It might buy a more reliable car, which would mean a better preschool or a daycare center is within reach. It might even mean a little cash for extras, like trips to the zoo or music lessons or books. And it might also allow parents to pass up working that extra shift so they can spend more time with their families. Greg Duncan thinks boosting the incomes of families with very young children can be a make-or-break difference for kids. Work Duncan is doing with Stanford's Collaboration for Poverty Research is adding a lot to our understanding of not just how poverty can affect young children, but when. Duncan is a professor of education at the University of California at Irvine. He's an economist by training and says his work has always focused on poverty and child development. I'm interested in why it is that kids who grow up in disadvantaged circumstances end up doing worse in school than kids growing up in more affluent circumstances, go on to have less successful labor market careers. Uh, And I'm particularly interested in policies that are resonating with the uh, American public uh, that might be put in place to help equalize the playing field. Duncan and his colleague Catherine Magnuson have been working from a study of children and families that began in 1968. Now the kids in the study are about 37. Duncan says it's the first time economists have been able to track conditions from the prenatal year to middle adulthood. You can look at kids who are in different economic circumstances in early childhood, in in middle childhood, in the elementary school years, uh, in adolescence, 
and you can try to assess which of those periods seems to matter the most for how kids turn out in terms of their earnings as adults. And what the most recent research is showing, this just came out this year, is indeed that it is economic conditions in early childhood, the first five years, uh, that seem to be far more important for how kids turn out eventually than economic circumstances uh, later on in their childhood. Duncan says this five-year period is where neuroscience and developmental psychology come in. In the first few months of life, there's just this explosion of neuronal connections in a child's brain. And the wiring can either proceed in a very uh, orderly kind of way, or they can be wired up in very inefficient ways. Duncan says we already know severe deprivation has lifelong effects on cognitive social development. What we don't know as well uh, is this more middle range of deprived circumstances that might be associated with growing up in a poor family uh, in the United States. And the question is really, um, to what extent uh, can we come up with effective interventions either by alleviating poverty or more direct interventions, for example, that are going to help kids get on a a normative and productive path. Duncan and his colleagues studied one program in Milwaukee that led to some of their findings about early childhood and poverty. The program was called New Hope and was open to families where someone was already working 30 hours a week. It offered four kinds of support an earning supplement to boost income above the poverty line, a child care subsidy, a health insurance subsidy, and the right to a community service job for six months. Duncan says very few people took up all of the benefits all of the time. Some families, the child care subsidy was everything because they really needed to get their kids in a, a high quality child care situation. For other families, grandma was available to take care of the kids and they would not have wanted to trust the kids to someone they didn't know, especially younger kids. Uh, Other families desperately needed uh, the health insurance, and they were afraid of of going off of uh, Medicaid because their kid was having asthma problems and and needed a connection to the health care system. 1,400 households expressed interest, and were told it was a lottery. Only 700 families could take part. So Duncan and his colleagues could compare the families in the program with those outside of it. For families that were not working when they signed up for New Hope, uh, there was a substantial increase in work. A lot of them made this transition into full-time work with, uh, with New Hope's uh, benefits. Uh, on the other hand, about a third of the families were already working full-time. And if anything, uh, their work dropped somewhat. They, they abandoned second jobs. They did not for the overtime that took them up to 50 hours or 55 hours a week. Uh, They drop back down to 40 hours, all for the sake of balancing this work and family set of dilemmas that we all face. This self-reliance contradicted much of the thinking at the time about people on public assistance. There was a sense that work-life balance was a more affluent problem, and families like those in New Hope were too strapped or uneducated to figure out what they needed most. But Duncan says the New Hope families needed almost no guidance. He and his colleagues got a fuller picture when they talked to teachers of children in all 1,400 families. The teachers didn't know who was in New Hope and who wasn't. They answered questions about grades, behavior, and general performance. The New Hope kids were doing better on all counts, especially young children who were just starting school. But it seemed like an indirect effect. 
something about extending these benefits to parents work through the family to the betterment of the kids. Duncan and others now think that if a child's family gets a $3,000 bump in income each year that child is under five, then that child will work an additional 135 more hours a year as an adult, at least by the time he or she is 35. He says it's a relatively small investment. If you count the prenatal year, the birth year, and then one, two, three, four, five, that's seven years altogether. So it's uh, $21,000. He also says the potential cost of lost productivity is much higher. As a baby boomer, I want the next generation of workers to be productive so they can pay for my Social Security. <laughs> but and, and even beyond, right? Right. No, no. But uh, there's so much that depends on how productive the next generation of American workers are. Greg Duncan is cautiously optimistic about that next generation. He thinks his research shows existing policies, like the earned income tax credit, could be adjusted to support kids and families when they need it most. He also thinks it might not take long to see results. The children he and his colleagues have tracked were already working more than their parents had in their 20s. But he also points to the New Hope kids, who even in elementary school were more successful than their classmates outside the program. Duncan says if policies can help smooth the path for some of these kids, that $3,000 more a year will reap huge returns for all of us. You've been listening to a podcast from Stanford University's Collaboration for Poverty Research. Funding is generously provided by the Elfenworks Foundation. The editor of this podcast series is Christopher Weimer. I'm Diantha Parker. Thanks for joining us, and please tune in again soon. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.